Hey guys, what's up? It's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay, host of Higher Learning, one of the hosts of Higher Learning. And I want to tell you guys about one of my favorite shows on our network. I'm not biased or anything. It really is one of my favorite shows. And it is The Ringiverse. Head into The Ringiverse to stay up to date with all things superheroes and nerd culture entertainment. This week, they have covered Venom, Let There Be Carnage. And if you're like me and you didn't grow up knowing things about the MCU and comic books, but you want to learn, you have a desire, you can find it all on The Ringiverse podcast. Go to Ringiverse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. Is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Playing hurt. Rachel's playing hurt. Well, I are am. You, you, have, you have a sickness? You have a specific I sickness. don't know what it is. Like, I cannot adjust to whatever is in the air. Now I'm taking, remember I was real sick back in August. Mm-hmm. Turns out, I found the source of it though. Because a friend I was around, friend I was around came back to LA and was like, were you sick with this? And I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. Had, I think that's where I got it. It was upper respiratory infection, apparently. Mm-hmm. This, the turning bronchitis, this, I'm congested. My throat hurts. My ears hurt. Your ears. But my nose is also running. I'm a, you can hear it in my voice. Yeah. So what are you doing? Are you like, what are we, we doing? Tussing? Hot toddy? Like what, like what are you Ooh, taking? Ooh, a hot toddy. That's what I should hot be doing. Hot toddy is good. That's what you should be doing. Uh, no, like it started Saturday, but I had to work all weekend. You know, what's new? Running so, yourself down. You, you're not getting enough rest. Rich. That's what my, my mom would say. Yeah, honestly. Running yourself down, running yourself down. You got to get rest. I rested this weekend. I watched the mini saints of Newark. I tried last night. I fell asleep. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those, uh, it's Tony Soprano movie. You shouldn't watch it. I should not. Not, not till you're finished with the series. I'm done. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, you can't. We haven't even talked about it. I thought it was... Okay, so you know how everyone says mm-hmm. the show is like one of the best shows ever? That, no. But I will tell you, it is the the ending is the best last five minutes of TV I've ever seen. See, that's so interesting because most people, if they have a nit to pick with the Sopranos, they, the nit is at the end. So you don't think it's one of the best shows you ever seen? What is the best show you've ever seen? What's the best TV show ever to you? Uh, it's a tie for me between The Wire and Breaking Bad. Oh, okay. Well, that, those are normally the three when people are putting them up. Yeah. Like, it's normally The Wire or Breaking Bad or The Sopranos. I think The Wire is the greatest. I think I've said this before. The Wire is the greatest show ever made. Uh, Sopranos is the most entertaining show. It's the best show. See, I, I definitely didn't. I got bored at times. But wait, what did you think about the last, the ending? I was obsessed with Oh, The Sopranos? With it. It's yeah. fine. Like, I was obsessed. I, I, I thought that the writers had put themselves into a um, a very unenviable position. It was like a between a rock and a hard place. What was going to happen to Tony? If you let Tony live and you show Tony living, then... Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert for The Sopranos. Sorry, it would have been one for me, so I feel yeah, for those spoiler people. Spoiler alert for The Sopranos, okay? Uh, if you would have let Tony live and blatantly show Tony living, like he lives, then you almost are complicit in all the things that he did. Like, oh, look at this. But then if you kill him, at that point, we still had James Gandolfini with us. So then you don't have the opportunity to do any Sopranos movies. The story ends there, right? Mm -hmm. So by doing what they did, they almost let the audience make the decision for themselves whether or not Tony Soprano killed. I think it's pretty 
obvious that Tony got killed. Absolutely. But I but you know, now certainly since God rest his soul, we lost James Gandolfini. That was the last time we ever saw Tony Soprano. So well, second to last because now we're seeing him again with the Mean Saints of Newark. So well, I, I, I thought I thought that I think because of the way I saw it, if I had watched it in the moment and I was watching it week by week and that's mm-hmm. how it ended, I probably would have been frustrated. But because I took my time watching the series and what I'm watching it 13, 14 years later, then it was a little different for me. But I thought it was genius. Yeah. I went like down a dark hole, look, reading everything, how they led up to that moment happening throughout mm-hmm. all six seasons, specifically the last one. To me, it was uh, it was a little poetic. A little poetic, all, huh? And, hey, oh, oh, hey, <laughs> hey, the piece of dude. You know what I'm saying? Hey, that's probably, <laughs> look, I'm sorry. You're going to get mad. I'm sorry, <laughs> guys. Don't get mad. That's how they talk on The Sopranos. I'm not trying to be a bad guy. I just read something, and it's not on the rundown, but I just want to get your thoughts on it real quick. R. Kelly is threatening to rat on people. He's going to expose somebody. He's <laughs> R. Kelly says he's not going down alone. He says, you know what? He said, R. Kelly said he's not going down alone. He said, hold on, I got it right here. He said, R. Kelly said he is going to, uh, and there's a rapper and a big singer that uh, were doing the same type of shit he was doing. He's not going down alone. I would never, ever want to speculate on who these people might be, but, but. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I have some thoughts, but I'm not going to do it. What the fuck? How do you think that <laughs> R. Kelly's you think that he's going to uncover is R. Kelly going to be the guy who uncovers this mystical world of Hollywood pedophilia that we've always been told uh, exists? I'm actually shocked he didn't try this before. Because you know how you see people say, oh, you want me? I'm not the big dog. I can give you this person, this person, and this person. Mm-hmm. And you can really take down a whole ring of this. But that just shows how delusional he was, how long he had gotten away with things, and he thought he was untouchable, and he really would have been found not guilty. Now that reality has set in for him, and he knows he's going to jail for a very, very long time, if ever comes out, now he's like, well, I'm not going to sit here alone. Uh, this is very, this is so, it's so selfish. It's so, I mean, I, I say that, Don't get mad at me when I say, y'all, that it's selfish. Obviously, it's wrong what these people have done, and they should absolutely be held accountable and responsible. And if they are doing things even remotely close to what R. Kelly was doing, then they should be jailed and punished and suffer the consequences. But it's so R. Kelly to be like, we are like, I'm taking everybody down. Let me ask you this. Selfish. If R. Kelly were to name a name and it was a big star. Mm Mm-hmm. Would you believe him? Yes. Interesting. He's got nothing to lose. Huh. What does he gain from lying about it? Well, I don't know. But uh, it, it, but it, he doesn't strike me as the most credible guy in the world. I'm wondering, even if R. Kelly dropped some huge name, if he would be believed, I would have trouble believing him. Why was it? What? What makes him not credible in this instance to you? Just because it seems like it's being done out of spite. But it, it is being done. Out, no, it 100% is being done out of spite. He could have given these names up before if he was really concerned about justice. This isn't about justice. This isn't about getting a predator off the streets. This is about him being spiteful. Mm-hmm. So it is that, but that doesn't make him not credible. I really think he thought he was going to get off. 
And now that he's not, he's like, well, you know what? I'm not the only one who did this. I'm taking huh. everybody down. And I, I think it, he's a narcissist in the sense that he wants to still continue to be in the spotlight. He doesn't want to go to jail and disappear. Well, now everyone's like, who are Kelly? Who is it? Now he's going to get another audience to talk about all this again. So it's so interesting. It's not necessarily that I think that he would be lying. He could very well be telling the truth. It's just at this point, like, why would we believe anything that he has to say? With with the, all the lies that he's told, because it doesn't matter who he gave up, he was the big fish. So it, there was there's nobody that R. Kelly could have been like, you know, this person's also doing this too that would have got the we government off his yet. back. All right, uh, we got a lot of topics, so we're gonna take a break and come back with him. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. All right, do you want to split America down the middle? Sure. You're into that? Uh, a new poll from the Center for Politics at the University of Virginia reveals that over half of Trump voters and 41 percent of Biden voters yeah. are in favor of blue and or red states seceding from the union. Where does Rachel Lindsay stand? I mean, can you imagine the mess that would happen if states actually started seceding from the nation? I mean, I joke about Texas needing to go and and maybe they do, but. I'm sorry, is the poll all blue states and all red states or just some states or what what's happening? Are we just we just split as a country where the blues secede and the red stay or vice versa? Yes. So uh, it would be basically along the lines of essentially that civil war, our favor of blue and or red states seceding from the union. That's a significant number of both Trump and Biden voters. 41% of Biden people think that <laughs> the president's agenda shouldn't be encumbered uh, by people who are being purposefully obstructionist in him trying to get his shit done. And it'd be easier if we didn't have to worry about that. Well, obviously, yes. I mean, things aren't getting done because they were so divided when it comes to Congress. But the thing is, with this poll, you're either pay- making people red or blue. And you're, you're not considering the fact that there are a lot of people who are moderate or there are a lot of people who don't identify uh, with a certain party. And so where do those people go? You know, do you jump blue? Do you jump red? It's like, I mean, this. Well, this the poll kind of- didn't the poll didn't ask that. The poll just asked it asked Trump voters and Biden voters whether or not they wanted to leave the union. Right. Mm-hmm. And so. People that voted for Biden, 41% of them want to. People that voted for Trump, 41, uh, 51% of them want to. The independents, if that were a thing, I mean, just like any other place in America, any other time in American history, they would have a choice about where they lived. So, like, if you're an independent and you live in Louisiana now, but you don't want to live in the new Confederate states of the Union, you could easily, uh, you know, I'm sure you could move to California or some other place like that. The, the, the central point is... We're this fractured as a nation to where a high percentage or significant percentage, should I say, of vote of both voting blocks want their own country. That it listen, that this poll doesn't 
I guess maybe the Biden voters surprised me. But the Trump saying without Trump being in, in the administration, it it doesn't surprise me that they want to secede and start over. They think that we're too liberal. They don't like the rules that are in place. They think that the, the blue states and people and liberals are taking over their country and we're getting so far away from the America they once knew and loved. That does not shock me that they want to start their own country at all. But I don't think people are taking into consideration what that would really look like and how difficult that would really be. I guess it's nice to to dream sometimes about what you really want because you don't like the current state that you're living in. But that doesn't surprise me that Trump voters, maybe it surprises me honestly that there aren't more that hmm. say that. I actually have an issue with the poll. Which I have side? an issue... The poll itself, I think the okay. poll itself is, uh, I think the poll itself is useless. Um, number one, obviously there's acrimony right now between like the left and the right, the north and the south, whatever. Um, obviously there's acrimony, obviously, right? The poll is useless because it's not issue based. It's as broad as everything else. It's this broad glob of negativity and nothingness that we've all waded into with no way out. the The question that you ask the the question that you ask is you ask an issue you 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 ask questions along an issue based sort of standard. Okay, what are the issues that make you want to leave the the union? On the left, what specific issues do you feel like? are worth leaving the country for on the right. What are the issues that you feel like are worth leaving the country for so that we could actually have a substantive poll about where it is that we need to make strides? Because I'll be honest with you, a lot of these things have to do with different political philosophies, but then a lot of them have some specificity to them in terms of what people feel like are the, uh, the lines of demarcation that they just won't step over. And that's the way you find out whether or not there's a, a, a united future of the country. You find out whether or not there's a united future of the country by finding out what's separating us and how we can get back on the same page. Just asking if people are unhappy and would rather have their own shit, that's kind of how you talk to kids. And and, and so I have, an, I have an issue, and I wonder, to be honest with you, I wonder what the results of this poll would have been like in maybe like 2006, when Bush was president, I I don't know that these numbers would have been that different. Mm. You know, I'm sure they, obviously things are they they seem more polarized than they ever are than they um, and maybe they've done this poll before than they ever have been before. But that's also because of social media. We're inundated with it a little bit more. So I I think I think there's a method here. We have to stop broadening things to this degree. And if we're going to talk about where we're different and where we're the same, we have to be a little bit more specific. So when I see polls like this, I feel like polls are done for headlines. Because th this definitely was. Yeah. So I mean, look, I, I, it, I guess it's a useful poll to judge how polarized the country is, but it, that you, these numbers, obviously, if you've been to a Trump rally, you know that this is. <laughs> yeah. I actually think. Or if you've that seen the Trump rally. I think that. If they were to do this poll back in 2006, I would be shocked if the voters 
the people who were voting, because what's shocking to me is the 41% that are voting for the current administration. Wait, I'm saying this wrong. Y'all bear with me. I'm a little under the weather. The 41%, which is the voters who voted for Biden, said 41% of them said they would secede from the nation. Mm -hmm. I think that number would have been lower in 2006. Mm. I don't think that many people who voted for Bush would have said they would have seceded from the nation. Mm. That I, I think people are very, people, a lot of the people who voted for Biden were expecting something to happen. And they, to date, they have been very disappointed with Biden, which is why I think they're like, you know what, we should secede and we can, we can fix it ourselves. That's who, what I think that 41% is. But to your point about. Well, the then those issues, people aren't paying attention then. Because most of the obstruction from for Biden is coming from within his own party. Correct. But I think that there are a lot of people who are just impatient, want to see something happen. I, I really think that's why that number is so high. I do. Mm. That's just my opinion. But to your point as well about the way that the poll is so general and it needs to be about issues, don't you think that we know the issues that are on each side? Don't you think that if you had a diagram and it was like red and blue and then you had a whole bunch of issues and you had to put each issue under each side that you could do that successfully? I think I, it's pretty clear. I think we could. Mm. But I don't think I think we could people who dive into this all the time, but I don't think there's enough dialogue being had. See, this is the problem with with uh, echo chambers and Twitter lynch mob and all of that stuff is it stops conversation. You can never have a conversation and get through to the human being on the other side of thing. See, I, I, I know it. it's interesting. I don't know if I'm if I'm softening or my brain is getting more nuanced. I can't tell what's happening to me because I know that each side thinks that what they have to do is win. Mm -hmm. The crazy thing is that that's born. That's a very recent phenomenon in terms of intellectual and political thinking. Right. Each side feels like they have to win. Trump gave us a, a, a bully that we felt like we couldn't negotiate with, that we mm -hmm. couldn't come to terms with. So he just needed to be defeated. Right. right. Uh, which in his in his case was true. I'm not going to lie, like the rhetoric and all the destabilization that he could uh, do to the country and our reputation, not just here, but abroad. Like he seemed like somebody to be defeated. But for the most part. Winning is not the option. Right. Is that's not winning is not the goal. That's not the goal. The goal is uh, compromise. That's the goal mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of some when you somebody that you disagree with. You mm -hmm. win wars in negotiations. You normally you normally come to a compromise. And so when we make things into factions and we we broaden them to this degree, what happens is it stops conversation. And this has a lot to do with like even what I was talking about with Fred on the last podcast is that. This sounds like this sounds pussy, but at some point you got to be able to talk that out. And if if that's not the way that we're going to do it, if if we can't, you know what I mean? Then yeah. now it's a it's a power shift who wins and who loses. So I think getting back to your question is like, yeah, we know the issues that people are, are hung up on. But do we know how they feel about them on a human level? Like, OK. Uh, we know that there are some things that we're not going to be able to appeal to the other side to, to this, to like for, like, for example, abortion, there mm -hmm. are hardcore people who are never going to be okay with any form of abortion. Mm -hmm. Cool. I guarantee you that number smaller than you think it is. Mm 
The question is, how many people that are on the outside of that mm-hmm. haven't heard nuanced enough arguments on either side of it to where it should be responsibly done and an option for women who want to have control over their bodies? Like, where are the people to be gained? And how do you have the conversations and have the political negotiations uh, in order to appeal to those people? And I think that as rhetoric becomes more capital R than reason, yeah, it's it's an easier answer to be like, yeah, of course, I just want my own country. Just like it's harder to go to therapy for your relationship mm-hmm. uh, and sit through the therapy sessions than it is to get divorced. Yeah, yeah. So That's it's like a great point. So so like it. I I when I first saw the poll, I was like, all right, cool, I, I get that. Like, what, what, what good is that? What, what now? What I f- I figured that. Yeah, I, wanna, I feel like I, a lot of things are like now what? Okay, great. So now what? Yeah, I like I want to figure out. To be honest with you, and maybe you can't with everyone. Obviously, not maybe. Obviously, you can't with that. I want to figure out how to talk to these people because it's got to be. There's got to be a way to talk to these people. This is a different side of you. I just want to point that out. I feel like if you go back and you listen to earlier podcasts, you're like, fuck them. (laughs) Well, it is. a Well, no, I I mean, let's be honest with you. Ultimately, it's fuck them. (laughs) I I like I like this. I like what you're bringing into the podcast. No, but what I'm saying is this. So so here's where fuck them comes in. Right is right and wrong is wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's Mm -hmm. the fuck them part of it. And, you know, but like the. The other part of it is, yo, there's a lot at stake. Like there is, there's really a lot at stake, yes. and everybody's gonna lose because we're all just trying to win. That's it's it. just, it's just being, it's just kind of getting to a nuts point. We'll see what happens. Rudy Giuliani uh, is a piece of shit. Look, <laughs> I, I flipped right back. He's back. I, I flipped He's right back. back. <laughs> well, it's true though, man. It's true. Yeah, yeah. So Rudy admitted that. Under oath, he's being deposed right now. Uh, so Dominion Voting Systems are—they're suing because their As names got—their names got drugged through the mud, and everybody said there was a problem with Dominion Voting Systems during the 2020 election, and that they didn't work, and that they were being hacked and misused. So now they're suing. They already got all up in Newsmax's ass and made them take the shit back on air. And now, uh, in this case, Rudy Giuliani is being deposed, and Rudy says. He got some of his information from Facebook. He said uh, that um, he got some of his uh, his his information about the specific guy who was allegedly involved in this stuff from Facebook. When he was asked whether or not he had interviewed the guy or talked to the guy, he said no. He said when he was asked whether or not members of his team had talked to this person who allegedly had some role in hacking Dominion voting equipment. Uh, he says probably maybe I'm sure that they did he couldn't remember when he said Facebook he said Facebook at first I listened to the clip or I listened to a transcript of it as Rachel Rachel Maddow read it he said Facebook at first but then he couldn't even be sure that it was Facebook it could have been Twitter it could have been Instagram in any case it came from social media a large portion of what he was using uh, as his frame of reference to go around and propagate the big lie now This is maybe not the strongest topic to follow up the first topic with because this is the type of shit that would make you want to go have your own country. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Uh, the deposition was taken on August 14th. It Eric Coomer is the name of the guy who worked for Dominion Voting Systems that they say were, 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 were hacking the shit and cooking the shit over there. You saw this and what's your first thought when you when you see something like this? 
It's terrifying to me. It's very scary. I mean, and I'm I'm looking up Rudy Giuliani right now because Rudy Giuliani is has clerked for judges, has worked with you know, in administrations, has advised very prominent people, went to a prestigious law school, been on law review. He knows how to do research. He knows what evidence is. And yet he determined, he made wild accusations and used social media as his point of reference to back up these things he was accusing Dominion of. If Rudy Giuliani is doing this, imagine all the other people who don't necessarily have the same intellect as he does that are take going to social media and getting their information and determining it factual just because it's put out there on social media. That is terrifying. You have led a whole charge against the fact that the election was rigged based on information you got off of somebody's social media page. The power of social media, like it's it truly is terrifying. If he can do it, imagine all the other people not that can do it, that are doing it. Yeah. Which brings me to my next point here. Uh Uh-huh. Thought warriors, there are rules to being a thought warrior. Okay. Just I'll let you guys know there are rules. Number one, we read articles. Mm Mm-hmm. We read articles. Not headlines. Not headlines. Number one, we read articles. Number two. We do not get educated by a meme. I don't give a fuck what the meme says. (laughs) Like, I don't care what the meme says. If a meme gets sent around, your first job as a thought warrior is to Google that shit. All right? And number three, refer back to number one and number two. (laughs) This is the problem. By the way, I've 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 been a victim of this. I've done this. We've all done this. I've never done it while while representing the president and something like the big lie, but I've taken something. Oh, shit. Especially when it feeds my narrative, when it makes me sufficiently mad and then shared it without actually doing that. But we got to stop doing that. And this is a big deal. Think about we think about this as being a nuisance. Like when your grandmama sends you something mm-hmm. like, hey, baby, did you hear that Beyonce left Jay-Z and he's now married to Trina? And then you're like, no, nah, that didn't happen. Well, I seen it on Facebook. No, it didn't happen. It's a nuisance when she does it. But Mm -hmm. obviously it's traveled all the way up to the fucking people who are fucking around the people who who run the country. And God damn it. Is is Rudy Giuliani? He's not. I keep about to ask this question. Is he okay? Like what a fall from grace. Or just he's just listen. He was so desperate to find something to fit his narrative to hold on to what they had that he went to social media. That's all that is. Right. Right. And they actually I, they use it. He was the guy representing Trump. So uh once again, it's just it's 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 just disgusting. It's terrible. It's but terrible. like it's only gonna get worse, which is why I was thrilled today when social media was down. Were you okay? With well, see here's the thing. I think the wrong one was down. What was it? Fa- uh Facebook? Oh, no, Facebook, Facebook was down. down. No, Facebook could be down. All Facebook owned you know, things were pretty much down. I gotta be honest with you, I've done this before. I've done this like uh, this hierarchy of social medias that I thought were okay and ones that I feel like were less harmful. But if we're being honest, at this point, it's like a tie, right? Between what? Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. They're well, all pretty. They are, but Facebook has the most viewers. I mean, the, right. mo- the most members, how yeah. do you say it? 
Yeah, like I I heard a stat today. Uh, I actually watched it on the sixty minutes thing. We'll talk about this in Facebook a little bit later, because something really important was uncovered about Facebook uh, that I think changes my view of Facebook fundamentally. Um, it said like sixty percent of the people who use the internet have Facebook. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. It started in what two thousand four. Something like that. 17 years old. Facebook and there is. had been nothing. There was nothing like it. Nothing. Nobody had ever seen it. It was it was amazing. You remember when it first came out? It was amazing. You well, were connecting see, with people that you had never been connected with in years. I, but see, my thing was that uh, I feel like Facebook kicked MySpace off the corner because I was a big MySpace user. And at first I was I was a big MySpace user and I stayed loyal to MySpace. I stayed, stayed down with my nigga Tom <laughs> until Tom was in rehab. You know, I was with Tom through the good times, and then I was with Tom. I was with Tom when I was when he was in my top eight, and then I was with Tom when Tom was calling me up like, "Yo, let me hold five dollars, man." This nigga Facebook kicking my back in, and then eventually Tom was too toxic. I had to get rid of him, and then I got with Facebook, and she started fucking everybody. By the time everybody, but I could blog. I was blogging on Facebook. I was doing all kinds of stuff. Facebook just had more shit. It was better. It was a better product. Yeah, it really it was, and that's why it's still around. And yeah. it owns, and now it eats up all the others. Buys Instagram. What else does it own? Not sure, but Instagram is the big one. Uh, WhatsApp. I think it owns WhatsApp now because WhatsApp was down too. Uh, so in case you guys were wondering, we haven't covered it much here, but there was a government shutdown that was threatened last week. But the government shutdown has been avoided. President Biden mm-hmm. signed a nine-week funding bill, which means December 3rd, we got to come back and do this entire thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they signed the legislation on Thursday, avoiding a partial government shutdown, keeping the government funded through December 3rd. Uh, Congress had passed the bill earlier Thursday. Okay. There's a lot that goes on during this. I actually am interested in having somebody come on the podcast. Yeah. Experts corner and break down exactly how this bill is intertwined with the reconciliation bill is intertwined with the uh with the infrastructure bill and just how the political machinations uh up on capitol hill are affecting the average everyday american and what this means for the recovery recovery of uh, uh the u.s economy after covid and also what this means for a little bit of the brinkmanship that's being played uh, with members of the Democratic Party and, of course, guys on the other side like Mitch McConnell and stuff. There's a lot of dick measuring going on on Capitol Hill right now. Yeah. A lot of dick and measuring. And we've, we've been here before. Like, this isn't the first time we've been up against this, but usually what happens is whoever is in administration doesn't matter. I mean, the Democrats did this with the Republicans. Three times they voted in favor of, like, extending the limit or whatever. So, but now they want to go back and forth and they want to... No, basically, it's no, it's, no, no, no. There's no now. The Republicans... The Republicans aren't fucking around. I keep telling people this. You about to, I'm about to get pissed off. The Democrats voted three times what you're talking about to raise the yeah. debt ceiling. Right? Yes, they did. So the US, under the US Trump. Would, under Trump. So the, the Trump, Trump. So let me tell you guys, the next time you talk to a Republican, any of these guys, I saw Ben Shapiro had a podcast called Spin, 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 Spin. The Republicans are full of fucking shit. <laughs> Trump spent more fucking money and nobody yeah. cared. Ted Cruz was on Axios, on Axios, admitting that he had not made the deficit an issue under President Trump. But magically, 
if Trump were to lose the election, the de- the deficit would then become an issue again. And he was called out on Axios by that, and he had absolutely zero response to that. Somebody posted that on Thought Wars. Somebody posted that on the Reddit. Ted Cruz actually admitted to the politicizing of the deficit and to the fiscal health of the United States government, right? So what we're seeing right now is, once again, the Republicans need something to run on in 2022. And what the narrative that they're going to run on is the Democrats are spending and spending and spending and spending and spending us into oblivion, right? And we had to check the the purse strings of Washington and not let them expand uh, or, or increase the debt limit uh, and, and all of this, when the Democrats trying to be good soldiers did it three times under Trump and didn't politicize it at all. They had different things to win elections on. Right. So what I'm saying, everybody spends so they can't spend anymore in Washington. It's all a bunch of bullshit. Do not be fucking fool when you go to the ballot box as if the Republicans are the fiscally responsible wing of the American government. It's just a lie. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I'm so for bringing someone on to talk about this because, again, this is that goes back to the three rules you just named with being a thought warrior. You got up. You got to be paying attention to doing this research yourself. Otherwise, you'll just fall into the narrative of, oh, this is just now happening under Biden's administration. Biden just became the president. You guys, he just got in office. So anyways, we'll find somebody. We'll bring him on the podcast and we'll break it all down. Maybe it's time to get Bakari's ass on this podcast. Let's bring Bakari on. I'm all for it. What the fuck is up with Bakari, man? (laughs) Bakari's tall, by the way. Did you notice? You ever met Bakari? No, this is such a random Bakari's like 6'5". Is he really? Yeah, man. I'm I'm used to meeting people. And then like I have this little thing that goes in my head. Like I meet somebody. I'm like, oh, what's up, little nigga? You know what I'm saying? Because most of the people, like 95%, I'm 6'4", they're like going to be shorter, right? Mm-hmm. And Bakari, I met Bakari and I was like, mm. didn't <laughs> we're in the picture and like, I'm like, oh, this nigga tall. You know I did saying? not know he was 6'5". He's like, yeah, he's like, he's tall. Probably can't dunk though. Probably can't even slap the back Stop, get off Bakari. <laughs> Before you on him, he ain't even come on the podcast yet. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. Something going on over at ESPN. ESPN is a cauldron of mess right now. Uh, I feel like ESPN people are... It's just more public. I'm I'm sure shit like this always happens, but it's just more public. Stephen A. Smith is the host of ESPN's First Take. He has been the host of First Take since I think like uh, 2012, 2011 or something like that. Because it was Skip and then Skip was going with... It was Cole Pisa, then Stephen A. Smith's come on. It was one of the most wildly popular mm-hmm. um, and sort of important shows on ESPN schedule. One of the biggest things about working at TMZ was I used to be pissed off that I would miss first take. Really? Mm-hmm. Because I had to be to work at 6 a.m. And so when I got to, yeah, at TMZ, I had to be there at 6 in the morning. And so I wouldn't get a chance to watch first take. And so I remember when I was thinking about not working at TMZ anymore, I was like, damn, I'll be at the wake up in the morning and watch first take the whole nine and whatever. So anyway, uh, Skip Bayless left the show some years ago. I think it was four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And after that, a very knowledgeable sports guy, uh, particularly about boxing, but in sports overall, Max Kellerman became Stephen A. Smith's uh, co-host. And a lot of people, when that was first announced, thought, hey, that's a very natural fit. Max likes to mix it up. He's very charismatic. It seemed like there'd be just enough conflict between him and Stephen A. that the show would be good. Uh, well, five years later max kellerman is off of first take Stephen a smith Mm -hmm. has been very candid about the fact that he 
got Max Kellerman kicked off the show. Um, he said that he taught, he did an interview with Hot 97 where he said, you know, a lot of people are saying that it, uh, it, was, it was me that I wanted Max off the show. And he was like, yeah, now, hold on. Let me make sure I say that right. He didn't get Max kicked off the show. He wanted Max kicked off the show. Right. He can't get Max kicked off the show because it's not his decision about who his co- his co-host is going to be. He was very clear in that interview. I want to make sure uh, I want to make sure that I that I that I leave that the way that it is, the way that he actually said it. Um and now he's upset that there's a narrative being put out there that he doesn't like Max Kellerman. He went on the latest Sports Illustrated Media podcast and said this. You know, I think that people get construed thinking, you know what, Stephen A. doesn't like Max. It couldn't be further from the truth. I like him and I respect him, Stephen A. Smith said. I think Max is one of the nicest guys in the world. He's incredibly knowledgeable about his boxing and other sports, by the way. Uh, And he talked about the fact that he likes Max and he doesn't think that it's right that people think that he doesn't like Max. Now, you didn't have to have Max Kellerman leave first take to think that Stephen A. Smith didn't like him. If you watch the show, it didn't seem like Stephen A. Smith liked Max Kellerman very much. Like he was always very cordial and warm with with uh, Skip, and it never seemed like him and Max had that relationship. But you never want to speculate because they're doing a debate show, you know. Um, but now it's just interesting that he's saying this after admitting that he wanted Max off the show. Larry Wilmore, a guest of our show. I actually, I, I saw actually, Larry's tweet. Yeah, I actually <laughs> saw that. Like I said, first take sucks now because the show now sucks. They're rotating guys in. They haven't found it yet. I'm, I'm sure they'll be fine. They haven't found it yet. And it's kind of bad. And Larry Wilmore said, uh, yeah, that's what's going to happen when one guy gets the other guy, the co-host kicked off the show. Do you think Stephen A. Smith is throwing a stone and hiding his hand now? Of course, we're going to assume that you didn't like the guy if you got him removed or if you told them that you wanted him removed as your co-host. Well, you could also argue that it doesn't mean that he, it's not necessarily that he doesn't like him. He doesn't like him as the co-host. And I think that's what he's trying to say. I didn't want him as my co-host anymore. It doesn't mean that I don't like him as a person. I just don't like him as my co-host. I want something different, but I will say to add to that, what made it worse And what I think, the reason I think people have run with this narrative is the day Max left on Max's last day, not only was Stephen A. Smith not in studio, he didn't even show up on Zoom. And so for a lot of people, it was like, damn, this is Max's last day and you're not even here. Wait, I thought he was there. No, he was not. He said goodbye over the phone. Oh, oh, it was over the phone. It Correct. certainly was. Yeah, I remember hearing his voice that last day, but mm-hmm. it was over the phone. Yeah. And so it wasn't even by video. There wasn't even a video message. And ever since Max has been gone, and if you if you watch First Take, Stephen A wasn't in the studio a lot. Now, at first, that was because of COVID, but then Molly was back in studio. Molly and Max were both there together, and Stephen A still wasn't there. Since Max has been has left the show and he has he has a new show now called This Just In. Stephen A's been in the studio every day. That plays into the narrative of you didn't like Max. So I think that's another reason why people are running with that because they're looking at the optics of everything. But I do think it's possible to not like somebody as a, your co-host, but it doesn't mean that you dislike them as a person, which is where Stephen A. Smith is coming from. I, I think... I think that's true. Number one, I think they had the number one show. And so 
not liking somebody as your co-host and then asking to have him removed as the co-host when you have the number one show. I just think there's got to be something about it, about that person that you don't like. There's got Maybe to be he just so- wanted it to be by himself. Maybe so. Well, even if that's the case, that's kind of fucked up because to be honest with you, uh, we've never really seen first take with Stephen A as like by himself. Like we've seen it with Skip by himself. And now we'll see how good the show is. And I'll be honest with you, the show is not very good now, but it wasn't really that, in my opinion, it wasn't really that great the last couple of years that Max was on it too. Because the, the, all the arguments seemed about more than sports. Um, and you don't like that? You didn't like that the arguments were kind of a reflection of what was going on? No, I, I, when I say more than sports, it just seemed like he was annoyed with Max Kellerman, period. Yeah. Like it just seemed like he was just annoyed at the way. And by the way, you guys, Max is very haughty. Max is, if you think Van is a know it all, Max is a know it all. He is very haughty. He's hilariously wrong on some things. And I think that annoys Stephen A. Smith a little bit. And so you just kind of saw it that maybe the workplace wasn't as fun for him. Um, the workplace wasn't as fun for him with Max there. I still don't think that's a reason to like tell your fucking, I'll be honest with you. Do you know what I first thought about this when I saw this weeks ago? Mm-hmm. If this were a woman that had done this, if there were two women hosting the show like mm-hmm. this in a first take situation, mm-hmm. not a situation where one of the women had created the show and was doing all of this on the show and blah, blah, blah. If this was a, a female-led show and two women and one woman went and told them that they wanted the other woman kicked off the show, she would get drug through the mud. Yeah. She would get drug through the mud up and down. And Stephen A. Smith basically got Max kicked off of ESPN's number one morning show for no reason other than the fact that he wanted it that way when the numbers were great. And it seems like nobody cares. It's just, okay, Stephen, I, I can do think that. The, I think the numbers were starting to go down. The same sentiment that you're having about the last two years being different and the chemistry being off. I think that that was the general consensus of what the people thought about the show. But the, the other side of it is we don't know if Max was involved in those conversations. The way it looks now, because we haven't heard from Max, is that Stephen A., spoke out that he didn't want him as his co-host and that was it. We have no idea if Max wanted to leave. We no, have no idea. Steven, he said it. They did he the said hot Max 90- didn't want to leave? He, he, on, and during the hot 97... <laughs> during, during the hot 97 interview, he said that he told the people this, that he wanted Max gone, uh, and then he told Max. And oh, damn. And, and I'm he trying said, to, I'm Max trying to help Stephen A. Smith out. I will tell you this though. They're not gonna keep they cannot keep this up. They're gonna have to fill that seat with somebody. And 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 the question is, will somebody want to sit in that seat knowing what knowing what happened to Max? That's Hell the thing. No. Because it could end your career. Like the, I, I mean, mean, Max is still in a contract and they gave him another show and, and he also is doing radio and he replaced Zubin on the morning show. He replaced Zubin. And he's so got, that, I mean, he's got Zubin on. Yeah, Max, so he's doing fine. for the fine. next person coming in, it could end their career. You know, you want somebody like Stephen A. rooting for you and in your corner because yeah. he does have so much credibility in the sports world. So I, it's going to be hard for them to find somebody who wants to sit in that chair. 
more than one day a week like like Michael Irvin? Um, yeah, they got Michael Irvin. They got a couple other people. But my thing is right now, I mean, obviously, it's a shit ton of money. But you have to be really solidified somewhere else to go sit there knowing that if he decides one day for whatever reason um, that he doesn't want you on the show, that ESPN mm-hmm. is going to put you off of the show. Like, you know, and it's not like they did it immediately because uh, he said he had been saying it for a while. It's not like they did it immediately, but it's just, that's, that's hard. And I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie, man. I don't know Stephen A. Smith, but that's a dick move. Man. I just think that he's that's talking too up. much to people. I like, wouldn't do that. That interview sounds like, terrible. I, that that interview doesn't. If he was trying to defend what he did, that interview does not paint him in the best light. Like I think that you know you were on the show before Max. If you feel like the show is taking a turn for the worse, if you feel like your chemistry is off, then there's obviously conversations that can be had that maybe things need to be shaken up to bring the show back to what made it so great. And maybe that means Max has to go. But the interview makes it sound worse. Maybe it means he has to go. Maybe it does. Maybe that means you but have to I go. I think that people, one would argue You're that right. Stephen A. Smith is more of the draw than Max, but things have, but it's just the way that it's all coming out to the public. Sure. It's making it sound so messy. And then with New York Post putting out these articles that are not in favor of him, it's like, it's like, well, who's your source? Who's your so- we say we say we say Max well, is a talking. Who's your source? Who's your source? <laughs> and what does Molly think? Um, <laughs> only thing I'd say is like, I, what does Molly think? Look, I think that it we might be getting into a time where shows like First Take and Undisputed just they just might have run their course. Period. Un- but I'm talking about shows like that. Undisputed, it, it's fine, right? Look, they had a crescendo. They had this first take used to be mm-hmm. it was the best show on television, mm-hmm. basically. Like you woke up, you watched it, skip, go back. But even skip ain't the same now. And Stephen A is not the same anymore. They're, they turned kind of into time. caricatures a little bit. They mm-hmm. still have happens to everyone. It's just sometimes it happens to everyone. Happens to everybody. All right. We'll stay on ESPN. <laughs> Don't do that. Sage Steele, your friend. Don't do that. She's her. not my friend. She's somebody else's friend. She's your pal. Well, whose friend is she? Trudy? They're very <gasps> good friends. That's right. She's Soup Kitchen's friend. Boy. Soup Kitchen, not I know. Soup Kitchen, you got what you deserved. I'm not gonna lie, Soup Kitchen. Soup Kitchen got what he deserved. Sage still the Soup Kitchen's friend. Okay, um, she dissed Barack Obama. She dissed Barack Obama. She did a, a, a three for here. We're gonna go. I want all the audio for this if we can play it. Donnie, can we play this audio? Yep. So I want all the audio for this. So she dissed three different people. She dissed the president. Um, the pre- She no, hold on. She dissed a lot of people. She dissed the president. She dissed the president's dad, okay, the ex-president, Barack Obama, and his father. She then dissed women who want to dress however they want to dress. Then she dissed women again uh, in an indirect way. So these are the things that that Sage still said when she was on Jay Cutler's podcast. Jay Cutler. Yeah. His podcast is called Interception. That's the name of the podcast. Interception with Jay Cutler. Because that's what he's No, it's not called that. Uh, I don't know what the <laughs> And I thought, wow, that's weird. That's weird for him to want to call it that. Uh, no. It's called and picked off again, Jay Cutler. 
Uh, no. Um, so this is the first thing she said. This is, this is what she had to say on racial identity and President Barack Obama. Check this out. Well, I don't know when the last time I filled out my census was, but yeah. if they make you choose a race, yeah. she's like, what are you going to put? I go, well, both. She's like, well, you can't. He goes, well, what if Barack Obama chose black and he's biracial? I'm like, well, congratulations to the president. That's his thing. I go, I think that's fascinating consider, considering his black dad was nowhere to be found, but his white mom and grandma raised him. But hey, mm-hmm. you do you. I'm going to do me. Interesting. Rachel, your thoughts. This is somebody that, This is somebody you know. It's not somebody I know. It's somebody who I've come into contact with. Um, the f- have I told you the first time I met Sage? No, tell me. The first time I met Sage was at a pre ESPYS uh, party, and she comes. She asked me. you. She asked you if she could touch your hair. No, sadly, <laughs> that did not. That was that was her experience, not mine. Uh, would you like to reference that, y'all? She's the. That's a whole other story. Look it up, guys. <laughs> Um, anyways, she comes running over to me and she grabs me and she's like, oh my God, I love you. Mm. And I love you because you said, you know what? I don't care what you have to say. I'm going to choose a non-black man. Wow. Oh my God. Oh shit. Oh my God. Yo, and you didn't care what America thought. You didn't care. You said, I'm going to pick him. And you didn't feel forced to choose somebody who was black. And I was sitting there like halfway. I, I liked this was, this, this has been four years ago. Halfway. I'm like, I like stage. I, you know, like she's a woman who is of, of color and who is, you know, had a long career in the media and I'm aspiring to this, but then I'm listening to you. And the first thing you say to me is how thrilled you are that I didn't choose black. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, who is this woman? Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, like since then I've started to learn more about how problematic she can be. So if you don't know who Sage still is, just let my story speak for itself. This is a woman who is, so obsessed with racial identity, but not just in being proud of what she looks like and who she is, or even being a proud of her father who's black. She's more proud of the fact that her father was in the military than the fact that he was like a black man in it, or that, you know, he's he married outside of his race, similar to what she said to me. She is so obsessed with this for the wrong reasons that, of course, I'm not shocked to hear her say something like this, but then the disrespect of saying, President Obama can't identify himself as a black man because his father wasn't around. That's dissing people, all people whose fathers weren't around. Like you can't be of that person. You can't identify yourself to that person just because they might be absentee. That is so twisted. But I wonder if you would have said that if he had been, if the father was white, would you have used that same logic? There just seems to be a self-hatred when it comes to her. And Sage, when people see you, they see a black woman. I'm sorry. That's what they see. I hate to break it to you. I hate to be the one to tell you that. But that's what they see when they see you. Yeah. When they see you. When Mm. they see you. It's so Sage. Sage is so crazy. I like that. That's the type of shit I like. I just like blatantly wrong motherfuckers you know what i mean like you remember what hulk hogan said what hulk hogan said was so blissful 
Hulk Hogan said, I work with a lot of black guys. But I don't want my daughter bringing no nigga oh, He did home. say that. I forgot he said Hulk Hogan said, if you going to date a nigga, don't date one of these rapping niggas. Go get you one of them six foot eight basketball playing niggas and date one of them. And he like Hulk Hogan is just a virulent, vicious, down in the pit of his stomach nigga hater. <laughs> That's the type of shit I'm talking. Sage walked up to you and said, hey, Rachel, I love you. Not because you're uh, a strong woman. Not because you don't take no shit. Not because you're a lawyer. Not because you went to the University of Texas. Not because of any of these things. You come from a great family. All of these things. You broke barriers. She said, I like it because you chose a white. (laughs) And a crowd full of people. This isn't like I was by myself. Just a crowd full. I'm trying to network. It's like, I like you because you chose a white. Woo! Sage, yeah. Sage, that's not all Sage had to say. <laughs> Hell no. Sage also gave her thoughts on women dressing provocatively and how men react to it. Donnie, roll it. I do think as women, we need to be responsible as well. It isn't just on players and athletes mm-hmm. and coaches to act a certain way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had talks with young women who like would come in and they didn't turn... Um, with with me with our channel or just other women who reach out to me now and I've said to the, a couple of them they're like well would you look at my tape would you do this and I and I've said listen I would love to but the way that you present yourself is not something I want to be associated with yeah so when you dress like that yeah I'm not saying you deserve the gross comments but you know what you're doing when you're putting that outfit on too yeah. like women are smart so don't play coy and put it all on the guys when we and again, I'm not saying anybody deserves anything. Yes. But we need to be responsible as women too, because we know what we're doing when we put certain things on and, and then right. return a certain text. Are you expect somebody's not gonna see you if you go to dinner with this guy? Like that's on us. Mm-hmm. Huh. I wanna it's interesting. I wanna know what Jay Cutler said there. I'll have to go listen to it right now. I'll have to listen to what old pick off cuts had to say. <laughs> Rach, last time I checked, you're a woman. Uh what are your thoughts on that? Sage says, wear clothes at your own risk. You know, it's disappointing to hear. Have you seen the article about Katie Couric in her new book? No. The reason We're I'm talking talk- about Katie later, though. But the reason I'm talking, you, you got to read this page six article about her new book. It's wild. Uh-huh. And I have no idea why nobody monitored this book and is letting Katie say these things about herself. But the reason I'm breaking it up is because one of the things that comes out is Katie couldn't understand why other women in the office wouldn't confide in her, wouldn't talk to her, wouldn't tell her when certain things were going on around the show. And as she goes deeper into her book, she talks about the jealousy she had of other up and coming women. Um, how, you know, she would go to uh, the higher ups and say certain things. And it basically, it's like Katie wasn't about uplifting other women. All these young women who come up and look up to Katie and and want to know how they could do better in the industry. Katie was more looked at them as a threat and was putting them down. And that's the vibe that she was putting out. Mm. That's how Sage comes off to me. Sage, I could see her right now in a room full of men being like putting women down rather than lifting them up. When you look at someone who had to 
fight or you know was breaking down barriers to be to get to the position that they were you think that they would have other the backs of these other women it would be trying to help them out and rather than saying i can't look at your tape because of the way you're dressed why don't you lift them up and help them or basically fight for them in the room and be like, it shouldn't matter what women are wearing. It should matter what they bring to the table, what they can talk about the subject matter. You know, why are you put blaming women? She keeps saying, I'm not blaming, blaming women, but you are blaming women for the way that they dress and why they can't succeed rather than holding the men accountable for not, you know, like don't treat women like a, a piece of meat. Don't judge them by the way that they're dressed. Women should be able to express themselves in whatever way that they want to. But instead of Sage lifting women up and fighting for them, she's blaming them. It's very Katie Couric vibes here. And it's disappointing because you want to think that other women are supporting other women and have their back and are lifting them up and are fighting for them in spaces that they're, that they don't, um, that they, that there aren't a lot of them in. And Sage is not one of those people. First of all, I have to, I have to very well say it. But I have to break something to Sage still and unfortunately break it to women. It doesn't matter what you wear. Not really. Men, men are gonna be men. It doesn't it doesn't matter, man. You could you could be coming down the block in some basketball shorts. If that thing is stanging, we are <laughs> we are biologically hardwired to be like, ooh. <laughs> you know, and that's the sound that all men make. Every man makes that sound. To be honest with you, do you know what What's the do you, sound? Do you know what Brian first said to himself when he saw you? <laughs> That's the sound. <laughs> Stop. That's true. That's true. That's the sound. So, so it's it's a D into exact. It's a D. <laughs> it's a D into sexual like a. I hate this word. Hold on. In intellectualization it's a de-intellectualization of the issue for sage still to say what she said it's just not smart okay it 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 posits something that's completely asinine and it's what that more what that's more about it's not about men's biological urges or men's whatever men have hit on women in in times where you had to wear skirts down to your ankles men have hit or some men go to strip clubs and have respect for the dancers and, and they can control themselves. Some men uh, go to football games and yell harassing things at the cheerleaders. The behavior is the important thing. The behavior is what you have to actually focus in on mm -hmm. and the entitlement of that. And there's nothing, there's nothing that's going to make you break who you are. Who you are is, info is, is informed by what you've been uh, reared to believe is okay. So if you think it's okay to get at your interns and you're you're going to get at them no matter what they wear. If you think that a woman is signaling something to you by the way she's dressed, then you're going to do it. Right? You're going to do it. You're going to say, "Hey, she likes that. This is what she wanted." Ah, she what she wanted to do was wear a sweater. So she wanted. You you're confusing what she wanted with what you want. Right. And and Sage is just not a smart thing to say. Like I know she's great at her job. But it's such a seventh to ninth grade, 1987 way of looking at the world. And you would hope that people in those positions would have changed by now. I, are there people that dress for attention? Of course. When we all go out to the club and I leave the top button open and I let the little chain come through, I want people to say, oh, well, look at that. Ooh, 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 ooh. And when the girls are out at the clubs and they're dressed like that, 
Yeah. They trying to show they shit off. Not necessarily. And nothing's wrong with that. What's wrong not, with wanting to look good? No. Not, by the way, and they're not necessarily trying to show their shit off to catch a nigga. They trying to show their shit off because it's time to dance. You know yeah, what I'm so saying? It makes them feel confident and it makes them feel good. But guess what? The them is the them. It don't give you carte blanche to do nothing. You still exactly. gotta be you. It's not permission. Come on, Sage. Well, I just Sage has daughters. And so it's like, so if something happened, it's like you you have this mentality where it's like, would you really turn to your daughter and say, Well, what were you wearing? Do you think that Sage named her daughters? No. Time and parsley, because you know it's like stop. It's That's sage. So, that might be one of the corniest things that you said. I like that shit, but <laughs> but time, but what is say sage? Isn't even an herb though, is it? What is sage? A color. No, but like when you sage something, what is that? Is that like a herb that you get from the earth? What is it? It's not a herb. When you sage something, where do you burn it? What That's is sage? A great question. See, we don't even know. We just be doing shit. See, thought warriors. No, research sage has it. meaning. It's an um, it's a plant. It's a plant. Okay, so I was right. It's a plant. Sage. Come on, man. Sage. I. Mm, I was <clears> gonna <throat> say something. I was gonna say something else about her. Nah, but I you want to say it. Had, you don't want to. You don't want to do it. I think we've had enough. Uh, well, no, I do. It does bother me though that Sage gets to to like really say some off the cuff things that are very problematic and are not in line technically with ESPN, but other people can say something and it's a huge problem. I mean, she said a lot of stuff. Like this is this is derogatory towards women, towards black folks. Now she's talking about the, the how she didn't want the mandate and she thinks it's sick and it's like a company policy and all of this stuff. Like that's problematic, yet she gets away with saying this stuff, but other people who have worked with ESPN don't. Mm. Hey, it happens. Sometimes you never know who people's who people's uh, you know, upper level pals are. Maybe not. She's doing her thing. Whatever, Sage. All right, let's take a break. <laughs> All right, this video took over the uh the internet. We got a couple more topics to get to, but we gotta talk about this one. Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer is currently the co- the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are 0-4. But they're starting a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach. They're figuring out their way. Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick, plays there in Jacksonville. Urban Meyer was caught on video at a bar that he owns. This is after um, a loss that they lost to the Bengals. Okay, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, shout out to them. He was out in Ohio, and he was getting wind up on by some lady who wasn't his wife of 35 years. The video is hilarious. It shows Urban Meyer rubbing his Oscar Meyer all over some co-ed. <laughs> he's sitting down How on the bar stool. Doesn't co-ed just mean a girl? Oh. Or I does it mean somebody in college? I don't know. College? I thought it meant college. Okay, so maybe she's not a co-ed. Maybe she's a... But I could be wrong. Adult ed. Um, but it's a blonde, attractive blonde, and Urban... Took a picture with her later, hammered, okay, hammered, and a lot of people have a problem with this because this is not Urban Meyer's wife. Let me ask you a question. Let's see you. Let's say you see video of Brian in the same situation. There's no sex happening. 
there's no nothing happening. Would you be mad if you saw that same thing? It's just oh. it's just dancing. They're just dancing. They're just two two kids having a dance. I would have been on the first flight to Ohio. <laughs> I would have been there in the morning when you woke up. How about that? <laughs> How about just dancing? First of all, I don't deal well with public embarrassment. You're not about to embarrass me in front of all these folks. And I know you saw the tweet where she was at home with the grandkids talking about how Urban deserved a night out. He deserved it. And on your night out, this is what you're going to do? You're just going to disrespect me like this in public too? Oh, no. We got a problem. So, look, I'm not trying to take up for Urban Meyer here. I'm really not. Because... His fucking goose is cooked, and he's already apologized to the team for being a distraction. He's already apologized to everyone. I'm sure he's going to apologize over and over again to his wife. But let's put it like this. Urban Meyer is cooked in this video. He is blasted, completely plastered, right? And he's sitting on the thing, and the girl is dancing right in front of him. I could make a case that the real issue here is the fact that he's being recorded while he's at this bar. And not like uh, seriously, because I'm looking at him. Maybe he didn't even realize. Stop. (laughs) Stop. You are going the wrong way. Like, Stop. Stop. You don't need to do this to yourself. He was having just a little too much fun. Thought nobody would see him. No one would recognize that people were making jokes that he wasn't even in Jacksonville gear. He had put up back on the Ohio State gear. I just listen, he got caught. He got caught slipping. Now, so I, is- I don't believe in recording people without their permission, sure, but I also don't believe in um acts of indiscretion. Acts of indiscretion, grinding up on it. So this is the thing that Urban Meyer is learning. It, it, it's interesting that we get to see Urban Meyer uh and the crash course that he's getting in being an NFL head coach. I'll tell you why. If Urban, if there's a chance that if this happens and Urban Meyer is the head coach at Ohio State, that maybe they're not looking to embarrass the coach. You know what I mean? They that would. may it depends. Like people go through great lengths in situations like this, especially if they're not going to sell the video. If in cities like Baton Rouge, uh, even though our coach Ed Ogeron has been getting it a little frisky out there lately, a little Ed O. You haven't seen that? Ed O got some blondes down there. But in places like Baton Rouge. That's why, y'all, that's why he can't call the games right. Yeah, it's very, very sucked. Sucked. He's on, he's on he's a fucking life support right now. Uh, places like Baton Rouge, Tallahassee, Gainesville, um, Columbus, they worship these coaches. They worship these coaches, man. But these guys, they abuse shit like this and they go crazy all the time. I wonder if Urban, if stuff like this and it being such a big deal is going to push Urban Meyer back to college football quicker than we think. For y'all don't know, Urban Meyer was one of the best coaches in college football history. He won two championships at Florida, one championship at Ohio State, left Ohio State, went to to the broadcast booth, then went to the pros, and there's a lot of talk that maybe he'll go back to college football. So, uh-oh. Is that her? That's her. No, no, no. <laughs> so here's the thing. We're looking at it now. So one of these women is his wife. That woman is his wife. But see the blonde? Oh, the blonde? Yeah, that's the girl. That's look at the Coach one? O. Yeah, look at Coach O. Look at Coach O getting it. He I'm telling posed. You, he didn't he even posed care. For he didn't pose. <laughs> these college football coaches, it's different, man. 
It's different. Wow. These college football coaches are abusing shit now. Wow. They're going nuts. They're going nuts. I'm telling you. All right. Last sports <laughs> topic. Do you care about the Super Bowl halftime show? Um, uh, do you care I- about it? Uh, by the way, just to let you know, Urban Meyer says he was just, uh, they were trying to pull him out on the dance floor. They were just messing around. Uh, there was a table next to him. Ass just first? Yeah. She tried to pull him out with her he ass? Said, there was a big group next to our restaurant uh, and they wanted me to come over and take pictures and I did. They were trying to pull me out on the dance floor, screwing around, and I should have left. That's what he said. Can that not be possible? So he made possible? An, So he made an excuse. Urban Meyer ain't shit. He made an excuse. <laughs> just say you're sorry and keep it moving. Because right. she had that that video was what 15, 20 seconds, yeah. and she was still going. You, you want and you want in that position. Just so we know, in that situation, as a man, you want you as a woman, you want your man to push the woman away. Get up, walk yeah. away. Get up. Like walk how away powerful would have been if he walked? If he's you just saw him get up and just walk away. <laughs> how powerful. <laughs> <laughs> How powerful would have been? How powerful it would have been? been, been it would have like made a powerful. He How just powerful. stood up and walked away. Like, look at that self control that Urban Meyer. That'd be has. so crazy. Just to let you know, Coach Meyer says no to ass, but that's not what he did. <laughs> he put his Oscar Meyer out there. Uh, Super Bowl halftime show: Dr. Dre, Kendrick Lamar, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, and Snoop. Your thoughts. Oh, I thought you said it's stupid, but you said and Snoop. And I was like, mm-hmm. really? That's how you feel? Mm-hmm. Uh, when they announced it, I was I was surprised. I mm-hmm. like I was like, oh, are these five people together? Three makes sense to me because they're L.A. Mm-hmm. I wonder how they went about picking Mary J. and Eminem. These five people have never been on stage together before. So it's just an interesting group that they put together. I wonder if like Dre was like, hey, I want this person and this person. I just wonder how it went about. I think I was most excited though because we've been wanting new music from Kendrick and now we're getting a whole performance Mm -hmm. on such a big stage. So I'm with it. Somebody asked me at the office, I think it was at the office, was wondering if people were still boycotting by people they meant black folks. The the NFL And, you know, they were a little shocked that these prominent figures in the community, in the industry, were agreeing to do this. Mm. But I told them when I was at the Fenty show, someone asked um, Rihanna if she would perform at halftime. And she said, who wouldn't? Mm. So I feel like maybe that was right around the year with Kaepernick and maybe because he's settled and the NFL has, you know, pledged to take all these steps to help the black community. Maybe people are like, you know what, now we're ready to step back into doing things with the NFL. I'm not sure. So here's the thing. The NFL has also, Pepsi and the NFL are going to support the launch of regional school number one. It's a magnet high school in South Los Angeles that is set to open for students next fall as a part of the LA Unified School District. The high school is based on the USC uh, Iveen and Young Academy, a program that was founded by Jimmy Iveen and Dr. Dre. Do you know what this means? This Super Bowl lineup. What does it mean? It's over. The NFL won. So this is the NFL won. This is what it means. It's over. It's officially over. Okay. Okay. There's no way that this, this lineup could have been possible to me even last year or the year before no way certainly not the year before uh the and this i'm to blame with this i'm watching saints games again the 
cultural momentum, the um, the conversation, the critical mass around Colin Kaepernick's schism with the NFL is over. It's done. And and there are casualties in this. There are casualties, okay? The first striking blow that the NFL made was when they were able to get Jay-Z to work with them. That was the first salvo in this, okay? Secondly, was after Colin Kaepernick's workout where you had prominent members of the media who were in opposition to Colin Kaepernick and it didn't seem like and a narrative was able to be spun about Colin Kaepernick that he didn't actually really want to play uh, football. I think you, 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 it's been well known made to you from me that I think Stephen A. Smith was part of that. I think Stephen A. Smith was part of spinning a narrative that was anti-Colin Kaepernick. The NFL played this as well as any corporation ever could have. And I think almost to a degree that even capping them aren't on it as much as they are. I think that they've put that they they've put that away. They've moved on. They're doing television. They're doing book stuff. They're doing other stuff in the media. So he I settled. Think, right. So I know. Well, he he had settled even before then. But even after settling, even after settling with the NFL based around it was a work dispute, right? So even after settling the work dispute, Colin Kaepernick uh, was still trying to get back into the league, still being very critical of the league. Um, and that's the situation. I think the casualty in all of this is actually not Colin Kaepernick. The casualty in the culture essentially losing, not the culture, the ca- the, the casualty in a portion of the culture, because I can't speak, speak for all black people, losing this war with the NFL is Eric Reid. Because Colin Kaepernick, in, in his situation... Uh, not making an NFL team or not getting back on the NFL team, there were things that they could do to explain why. They could say, hey, Cap's game had fell off. Hey, Cap had had some injuries. Cap's arm wasn't feeling good. All kinds of things like that. Eric Reed actually got re-signed, went on to have a fantastic season in Carolina, and for no good reason, in a league with terrible defenses all over the place, Eric Reed remains unsigned and not in the NFL. What he had always been an amazing player, a really good productive player in the NFL. And the fact that we're not having a conversation about this anymore, the fact that we now have a largely black NFL halftime show that's going to be reflective of a culture and a musical movement that is in lockstep with black America means that people are going to largely forget about what Eric Reed is going through right now and what has been happening to Eric Reed. We all know about Cap, but people are going to turn the page, and that's what happens. And I, and I, I, think, the, I think the way Rihanna answered that question, I think that's kind of how a lot of us feel. I think the pandemic beat us down, and when NFL football came back, I could speak for myself. I didn't have the wherewithal to turn it off after having been in my house for so so long and watching the same shit and not actually feeling like I was normal anymore. It made me feel normal again. I think all of those things mattered. But when I saw the first thing, I thought, this is the NFL spiking the football. They won this situation. They came out on top. And while Cap has a lot of stuff going on, my thoughts drifted to Eric Reed. And if you guys don't know who Eric Reed is, Eric Reed was a safety for the uh 
for the nice. San Francisco 49ers um, who had gone to just to let you guys know who had gone to LSU was a great player for us, but then went on to become a really good player in the NFL uh, who also couldn't find a job in the league after kneeling and sticking with cap this entire time, got signed to Carolina, played the whole year, started the whole year, had a really great season and then couldn't work his way back into the NFL for no good reason out of at a, in his athletic prime. So uh, I thought about him and I thought about the fact that this is probably over. Let, well, it's definitely over. But let me ask you this. Listen to what you're saying. When you talk about Eric Reed being the biggest casualty, do you look at Kaepernick and feel like he needs to be speaking up more on his behalf? And the only reason I say that is because he was one of the first he was either the first or the, the, there were two players that they kept kneeling with cap. I can't, sorry, I can't remember the other one. He was kneeling in, right beside him. And cap ended up, you know, he had a collusion case. He settled. I don't know if it, he could have litigated it or if it would have gone to arbitration, but he ended up taking a settlement. I think Eric Reed was part of that case as well, though. Did he get a settlement as well? I th- I, I'm almost I sure that he was. Okay. I'm almost sure that he was. So so fine. He got a settlement as well, was able to go back and play in the league. Kaepernick did not. Um, my question to you is, and and you're right, Eric Reed had a fantastic year with the Panthers. He should have either been re-signed or should have gone. Cowboys definitely could have used him. Could have gone to some, to be a part of somebody else's secondary. He wasn't. If he settled, that changes one of the things that I was going to say. But my thing is, he did. What? By the way, I just looked it up. Eric okay. Reed definitely was a part of the so collusion. That, so that takes away one of the things I was going to say about collusion. Yeah. But what would you? What do you think sh- people should still be doing? And if they're if they shouldn't be watching the NFL, what are they waiting for the NFL? And it's a legitimate question. What are mm-hmm. you wanting to see the NFL do? Cap settled. Eric Reed settled. Um, basically, them admitting that there was some type of collusion against those two players. What do you want to see done? So here's the thing. And the the answer is, it's a very small thing for me. The, solving the problems of the NFL social issues, it's a big problem to solve, right? It's a mm-hmm. gigantic problem to solve. Um, and I don't know how you solve it. You have 32 owners in the NFL uh, of most of them with at least what I consider to be dubious political affiliations. Uh, most of them seem to be squarely on one side of the political aisle. I'm not speaking for all of the guys, but that seems clear after what we've what what what, what we've seen from the league. So, a, what a win is against the NFL? The answer to the question is I don't know. What I what would have made me feel better about the league would have been Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed being able to do what it is that they've been done doing since they were kids, which is playing football. Now, I've spoken to Colin Kaepernick about this in the past. And when you talk to him about it directly, it's very powerful because he he talks about the fact they've been playing football since he was seven years old. It's not just a game. It's his life's work. And we have to remember that about a lot of the guys in the NFL. He's highly competitive guys that their life revolved around one thing. The reality is I failed Eric Reed. I feel like a lot of people in the culture failed Eric Reed. Cap, I'm not speaking for right now. I'm not even speaking for Eric Reed. The reason why I'm putting Cap in a separate thing is Colin Kaepernick is going on to define himself in different ways. I'm sure he still wants to be on that football field, but he's got a Netflix show coming out this year. 
He's going on to define him in this month, actually. He's going on to find himself in different ways. And he's a football player. He's been a football player. He's always comported himself as a football player who works hard, who competes at the highest level, who sacrifices, who's willing to go and make plays and, and be a great teammate and do all of these things. Eric Reed's life, his football life was destroyed for being a great teammate. The yeah. one thing in football that they preach, I look at myself, I feel down on myself. I feel down on a lot of people. I'm disappointed in me. I'm disappointed in a lot of people. We failed Eric Reed. Eric Reed is still somewhere right now waiting for a call to be in the NFL. And it's a call that should have been made a long time ago. And it's only been made because of one reason. So when I looked at, when I looked at the lineup for the Super Bowl, I thought, why haven't I heard Eric Reed's name lately? Where's he at? Do you think, do you think cap has any responsibility to help out Eric? Cause he's doing a lot of stuff outside and I get what you're saying about your argument about um, how football is his life's work. That makes total sense. And I'm sure he misses it because of the, because that's, that's what he's known for such a long time. And he never thought that his career would be cut short for, especially for this reason. If there he's was a 29. reason, it wasn't this, right. Yeah. He, Eric Reed's he 29 never, years old. He never thought it would be, but, but Eric made a decision to stand by cap, to kneel with cap and was motivated in what, in the change that he was trying to bring about or the awareness and the recognition. And they both, you know, have their cases. They settled their cases. They want, they got some type of payout, but they have been casualties because of this, because they can't do what they love, what you're saying. My thing is cap is going on to do so many other things to, 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 the, to my knowledge. I don't know if Eric Reed is doing things of that nature. Do you feel like cap has some sort of responsibility to help out his brother to stand by his brother who stood by him. Well, so the only reason why that question is hard to ask, hard to answer is because I don't know what he is doing. Do I think he has the responsibility? Yes. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. Like, yeah, it's Cap and Eric for life now. Cap, Eric, and Nessa for life now. Once somebody's been down with you like that, you got to stay down with them forever. They put their whole life, he put his career on the line, being a great teammate for his brother. Mm-hmm. And... Not just being a great teammate for his brother, being a great teammate, but also this, these are also things that Eric Reed believes in and, and feels sure. very strongly about as well, right? So, yes, of course I do. I, if, if there was something where there was distance between them or something was going on, I would feel unbelievably uh, disappointed by that. But I can't say that that's not happening. I don't know. I don't know the inner workings of the company. I don't know what Eric Reed has lined up outside of the football field. But what I, what I do know is at 29, playing the position that he plays, having had the kind of productivity that he's had in his NFL career, watch the Super Bowl halftime show this year. Watch all the games, but think about the black man right now who's sitting at home, not doing what he was born to do, what he sacrificed his health, his life, and a lot of his time to do simply because he stood up for you. Just if we don't have the wherewithal, and I'm throwing myself in this too, if we don't have the wherewithal to keep it up, to put pressure on the NFL, at least let's not forget our brothers. That's all I want to, and that, that's that's and that's what I thought about when I thought about this. Oh, I want to update a case real quick. Uh, police have arrested Ian McKenzie Cranston at his home yeah. in Redmond on Thursday evening. We talked about this. 
uh, extra charges were put on Ian McKenzie, uh, Ian McKenzie Cranston in the killing of Barry Washington Jr. Um, uh, Thursday evening, an indictment came back, six charges, second degree murder, first degree manslaughter, second degree manslaughter, first degree assault with the uh, with assault and two counts of unlawful unlawful use of a deadly weapon. Um, so we appreciate everybody who shared that story, and we'll be watching it. We told you we keep uh, keep an eye on it. So Barry Washington Jr., the man that was killed up in Oregon, uh, uh, the guy was initially charged with something and let out on bail. New charges came in, and he has now been apprehended and arrested in shooting that guy in cold blood. All right, uh, so white women have Denzel Washington on the run. Your uh, stretch. Your pal earlier, Katie Kirk, she said she was scared of Denzel too. Uh, she was on the podcast. Po- a podcast is where you go to fuck over Denzel Washington. She said she was asked as an interviewer, "Have you ever left the interview where be with a president or an actor or something where you felt like they bamboozled you a little bit?" And she took it upon herself to get off her chest about Denzel. She said that she left an interview shaken after she felt like Denzel came for her a little too hard. She was asking Denzel questions and Denzel was coming back and being super duper hardcore in her answers. She asked Denzel if he was an actor and Denzel said, no, I'm not an actor. An actor is what I do. I'm a human. (laughs) If you've ever interviewed Denzel, he's like that. So... Uh, yes. And then she said after this, um, she left out shaking. She felt like he came at her in a way that was, um, weirdly uncalled for. So I guess my question to you is this, do you think that the white women put out an all staff email? Cause <laughs> you, we know that the white women have put out all staff emails before, like when it was time to vote for Trump, they put one out and 53% of them voted for Trump. Do you feel like the white women put out an all-staff email that was like, it's time to get Denzel? This nigga been doing too much. Uh, no, because <laughs> no, I don't think that, even though I know you would love to believe that that's what's happening. Yeah. Um, so he's, she talks about this on Everything Iconic. Shout out to Danny Pellegrino. That's that's the homie. Um, so she said this on his podcast, which wait, 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 again- wait. This nigga's last name is Pellegrino? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Is he at all responsible for the tasty, delicious water? No, but he's he likes to 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 pretend that he is, but he is I not. Love it. I love he's it. not. He gets asked that a lot. Um, Katie Couric is problematic. Now, please, <laughs> please go Wait. read the page six article. Somebody brought it to my attention, and I thank them for it. This woman has a lot. She still feels bad. If you ever watched the morning show. I don't know if y'all watched that show, but we all know it's loosely based off of what went down at NBC and Matt Lowry. Is that how you say his last name? Lowry. Matt Lauer. Yeah. Lauer. Matt Kyle Lowry. Uh, Matt Lauer and 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 Katie Couric. And when you watch it, we obviously know what went down to some degree with Matt, but with Katie, with Jennifer Aniston playing the Katie Couric figure, you're like, you think it's an exaggeration. It's not. I think that everything Jennifer Aniston does in this is Katie Couric. She hmm. does not take up for women. She is very self-centered. She feels sorry for herself. And she admits that she feels sorry for Matt. This is in her book. 
Okay, so she's not even in the in in light of the Me Too movement. She's more mad that women didn't come and confide in her than she is with what Matt actually did. And she somewhat blames the women for putting themselves in these situations. Very sage stillish, putting themselves in these situations because it never happened to her. And she never put herself. So Katie Kirk saying this is absolutely ridiculous. If you interview Denzel, he's not an interview where like he challenges you in interviews. I rem- I interviewed him. He asked me a question and it was like, whoa, 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 wait, who's doing the interview here? But I loved it. I had seen the movie. I had an opinion on it. He asked me about something that I said. I didn't feel shaken. I didn't feel any kind of way. I walked away thinking, wow, I had a great conversation with Denzel. Katie Couric done like the fact that she was challenged. That's what that is. This is a man who challenged her about the question that she asked and wanted to make sure that she had it correct. They weren't going to cut and tape and slice it up any kind of way. He was going to make sure that you got it right. Hmm. So let me ask you a question. So it's the second week and it's Denzel against a white woman. Is it Denzel or is it the white women? Because two different stories about Denzel, it might lead some people out there to be like, hey, Denzel's a little aggressive. Maybe Denzel's a dick. Okay. But it also might lead people to believe that because this is a story that's deeper than Denzel, deep, deeper, deeper than Denzel, deeper than Ellen Pompeo, deeper than Katie Kirk. Is there a perception? I mean, obviously there has to be. Are these women? Because I've seen, I watched some Tom Cruise interviews before I came, and nobody batters an interviewer like Tom Cruise. <laughs> like no one fucks up an interviewer like Tom Cruise. No one. Do you think that in the case of Ellen and in De- and in Katie, that this is either Denzel versus them? Maybe Denzel's a little too harsh, or are we dealing with some maybe latent anti-blackness? The only comparison between between these two interviews is the fact that it was Denzel and versus a white woman, mm. because when you talk about these two interviews, Ellen Pompeo went at him. This right. isn't where she didn't walk away saying I was scared and I felt shaken and she didn't fall into the, oh, I'm a poor little white girl. That's what Katie Couric is doing. Mm. So there's a difference. It's hard to compare the two and answer your question because absolutely in the Katie Couric interview, she played, she turned around and felt sorry for herself and wanted everybody else to feel sorry and played the victim. When I'm reading this transcript and I'm like, what's the problem? Yeah. He told you, don't call me an actor. I'm a human. That's what he it's it's as if you said Denzel and he said, call me Mr. Washington. Are you gonna have a problem with that? Ellen was problematic in her interview. The fact that she they both went at each other. I don't think it was deeply rooted in anything, which is Mm -hmm. what I said last podcast. But like he said, he came at her a certain way and she came back at him a certain way. This is different. So this is the thing we have to keep our eye out because in the coming weeks, Seriously, because okay. I'm I'm looking I'm I'm looking at does Gwyneth Paltrow have a Denzel story? Does fucking Hillary Duff, Haley Duff, the Duff sisters have a Denzel story? Is it for some reason in this year of our Lord 2021 have white women declared war on Denzel Washington? And why on earth, Katie Kurt, would you ever think? Y'all, I'm telling y'all, pick somebody else. I'm just letting y'all know. Like, like, like the article. Yeah, pick some, pick, pick somebody else. It's time if it's time to get on somebody's ass. We'll deal with Denzel internally. 
We're not gonna let y'all have <laughs> like, like pick somebody else, man. It's people that we would love for y'all to get at, by the way. People that we would love to spank them. Like we'll we might be a little protective, but we'll let them go. But pick somebody else. All right, time for Van's very serious question of the week. Uh it's actually two questions. The first question is I'm sure that you hated the Trump administration and its reign of terror on America. Mm-hmm. You th- you think that Trump administration ruined America, ruined I, the I, political I, discourse of the country. Do you think so? It definitely put us in a ruins a harsh word. Yes, it put us. I'll just go on the side of ruin. Sure. Sure. It ruined. It. We're wor- okay. definitely worse off. <laughs> worse off after the Trump administration. Trump administration. Terrible for America has really led to a heightening of the political uh, polarization that we've seen. Here's mm-hmm. the question. Okay. If it meant taking back the Trump presidency, would you be willing to wash out of the annals of history the Obama presidency? <laughs> this is a tough one. So there's going to be no Trump. Let's say Hillary wins in 08. Um, whatever happens. There's gonna be there's gonna be no Trump, no Trump, right? No Trump coming along. Like we're in a completely different spot. We had probably had somebody because I don't think Donald Trump gets elected. Like we're probably gonna have if if Obama doesn't get elected, we're probably gonna have somebody different to to be over coronavirus. Okay, all of that. So no Trump. Would you be willing to get rid of the Obama uh, no. the Obama presidency too? You say no. I almost said yes. Let me tell you why I said no. Trump didn't create these people that exist within this country that do the things they do and react a certain way. You're right. They already were here. And if anything, the Trump administration made those people feel comfortable enough to show their faces. They Mm -hmm. were always in our midst. Right. And so not having Obama or not having Trump, I should say, in his administration it wouldn't have changed necessarily the way we are as a country or the way people think. Mm-hmm. All he did was embolden them. Mm. And I'd rather know who it is that I'm looking at, i.e. Hulk Hogan, than, <laughs> than somebody pretending Hulk. to be something that they're not. Because mm. now I know how to deal with you. And I also don't think that we would be having certain conversations the way that you know, we have over the last two years have been comfortable enough or to do those things had there not been a Trump administration. We Mm. would have still pretended like things were okay and believe in the American dream and, you know, I don't see color and all those problematic things. So, uh, nope, I say keep Trump. Mm. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm gonna say yeah. I'm gonna say I would be, I would be willing to get rid of the Obama presidency to oh, get rid yeah. of the Trump you, presidency. You voted him um, off in one of your other serious questions. I, I, I know where say, your loyalty I'm lies. Say, yeah, I'm gonna say yeah because <laughs> I look at it as a black man. I don't really feel like I got much from the Obama presidency. It, it was it was. I would be real with you. I think that I think Obama is one of the most imp- uh, important important figures in American history. He's very important to black people too. But I feel like his public service would have been just as dynamic, maybe even more dynamic as a senator. And the reality is this, is I really feel like, and I don't mean to scare anybody, I really feel like the Trump presidency is a harbinger for the beginning of the end of the union. 
I don't think oh. we can come back from this. <laughs> I really like I I, I really don't think that I, I think I don't really don't think we can come back from this. And I think, you know, uh, I don't know. I just if there were more if I, if I felt like I had gained more. And this is not saying Barack Obama didn't do a lot of stuff for America, but the stuff that he did was, I guess what I'd say, largely not really directed at black Americans. Like I give him credit for writing his ship on the economy and all of that stuff, but I feel like Hillary would have done that too. You know what I mean? So um, I don't know. For me personally, Obama's kind of just another president. If you I'm being for real. Though, you realize though my answer had nothing to do with because to keep Obama. It was what came out of I, oh, I oh I get it. I get it. I get it. But this is it why was, I, I thought about this very serious question because I dreamed this. Really? And and what was the case in your dream? There was no Obama? I dream. I dream that we lived in a world where Obama had never. I think the Marvel Marvel multiverse shit is getting to me. I dream we live in a world. I dreamed I woke up in one morning and saw Obama trying to get a bill through the Senate, and I was like, "How could Obama? Why is Obama trying to get it?" And he was a senator, mm. and and President Trump had never been president, and I was like concerned about my weight. Okay. I'm telling you, I was playing basketball with a friend of mine from TMZ, and I was concerned about they hadn't seen me in a while. And I was concerned about my weight. That was the whole dream. That's my head right there. All right. As Riley from from uh, Boondock says, it's fun to dream sometimes. It you? is. It's fun to dream. Okay. Take theme caps off, but do not stop learning. That's all the higher learning we have for today. Uh, we're going to come back Tuesday. We have a good interview. We have a good interview Tuesday. Tuesday. When do we do what? What do you mean? Oh, excuse me, Thursday. Oh, excuse me, Friday. <laughs> Friday. We we tape on Thursday. We have a good job so Friday. Uh, I am Valet the Junior. I'm Rachel and Lindsay. We out. <laughs>